everybody. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. We're sponsored by Fightback CBD. Get 15% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. Uh, let's uh, do a really big shout out to the We Defy Foundation as well. They provide combat veterans coping with military-connected disabilities a long-term means to overcome their challenges through Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu and fitness training. All right, so please check them out at We Defy Foundation on Instagram and WeDefyFoundation.org. Okay, uh, it's episode eighteen, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, quarantine show number three. I guess we're, count, we're counting those off too. <laughs> uh, Milton Campus, Purple Bell Fight Sports, Coral Springs. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have my co-host with me, Rob, uh, who's uh, joining us. Uh, Rob, I usually have four or five guys in the studio with me and we do a little round table, but uh, for obvious reasons, I've uh, kept them away. <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, Stay tuned for later in the show, guys. We'll talk about the Patreon and listener giveaways, all that good stuff. But let's dive right in. Again, you see on the screen here, we've got Rob Ingram. He's the founder of McDojo Life. Welcome, Rob. So glad to have you here today. Hey, thanks for having me, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, we've been trying to put this together for a little bit. You are a busy, busy man. We were just yeah. talking about that. Ridiculous. Let's, uh, I always like to start out with, uh, I know you, uh, you train in several disciplines, correct? Yes, sir. Why don't you just give us your, the name, rank, serial number, if you don't mind, give us the rundown. Let's start of there. Course. All right. Well, let me take a deep breath here. So <laughs> I've been in the martial arts uh, April 12th, marked 23 years in the business. So very excited that nice. I've been doing martial arts for 23 years. Um, I am a third-degree black belt in karate, a third-degree black belt in Lissa Jodo, which is a weapon system not too many people have heard of. If you'd like to know more about that, please look up my instructor. His name was Master Lee Barden. He passed away about two years ago. Rest okay. in peace. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been doing that for about nine years, which goes to show you I am very mediocre at Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> uh, I'm a 6-0 amateur boxer, a 4-2 amateur kickboxer. I was on an international kickboxing team, uh, which we did tournament-style kickboxing and sport karate for two years called Team Full Circle. Um, I didn't keep track of all of those fights because that's ridiculous. They're tournaments. Like, why would I keep those numbers? Um, <laughs> you know, and then I owned a martial arts studio for four years. Uh, I've been a consulting, uh, I've been doing martial arts consulting now for 10 years to okay. help martial arts studios grow without losing their integrity on the mat. They still need to make money, uh, trying mm-hmm. to help them find that happy medium. And, uh, now I've been running McDojo life now for like what? Nine, eight, no, eight, about eight years. Okay. Cause I started McDojo life. When I was a blue belt, like just got my blue belt. So, uh, yeah, about eight years. Wow. So that's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about I mean, uh, I I think this is the perfect time to talk about a little bit about how you're helping gyms. And, you know, let's kind of just start there because a lot of the questions that I am getting right now are, and, and something that we're doing, I have a marketing background, so I've just been putting out little marketing tips here and there, what gym owners could be doing themselves right now, whether they're just sitting at home, things to do on like their Google My Business page, asking for reviews, things like that. Tell us a little bit more about how you help gyms, the consulting well, like, side of things. So a lot of martial arts studios, the gym owners grew all grew up like we did, most of us did back in the day with the stigma of the word McDojo being around. Okay. And so up to this point, my goal, I like are up to this point, McDojo has really basically meant a studio that makes money. Okay. That's like, no matter how you cut it, that's how people always kind of describe it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a belt factory. Oh, you just yeah. buy a belt. Oh, they charge too much. Oh, they do contracts. Most of that is like, who gives a shit? Like, oh, mm-hmm. am I allowed to cuss on the podcast? Oh, no, yes, like, you can. Go. Okay, go to town. Cool, yeah. so, like, sorry, <laughs> that's just more like my personality. No, no. That's it. Go. shit? Like, because <laughs> they do contracts and you don't. Who cares if they charge more than you do, right? Like, if they have 250 students and you have 50, rather than pointing a finger at them, you should be looking at what they're doing right. Mm-hmm. Now, who cares if they their 250 students suck? If they're not lying to them, they're being open and honest with them. They're making sure that they're giving the best instruction that they can, mm-hmm. even if better than them, which, by the way, is subjective. I mean, the whole thing is all about are you doing enough for your students? Mm-hmm. And if you're only reaching 50 students and those 50 students are great, you could reach another 150 if you actually gave a damn about the other side of things. Mm-hmm. So I always try to suggest as a martial arts school owner, we spend, what, years, decades of our lives with a martial arts uh, instructor. And we call that our professor, our sifu, our sensei, right? We call them that, we give them that respect and we're with them for years. But then when we open up a business, we go, you know what? I spent all this time learning all these techniques on the mat. 
I wing it when it comes to business. I'll just figure yeah. it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's like a great way to fail is because you need a mentor in that too. Somebody who will guide you and show you, hey, man, just because you're doing really, really well on the mat, it doesn't mean that people will buy it. Yeah. You have to. You, it's a technique. You have to work on that. And if you have the best interests of your student in mind, then you selling them on your product is a good thing. Yeah. You know? And so I think that that's where a lot of martial arts studios fail is they think that making money is a bad thing. Look, as soon as you opened up a business, you made the decision that you were going to make money. So that means you have an obligation to have clean mats. Well, that costs money. Not free to do that, yeah. right? You have to have somebody to answer your phones because if you don't, then you're going to be losing potential students or you're going to be giving up the time on the mat, right? You're going to need to put an advertisement. You're going to need to find out what your retention numbers are, what your leads are, what what you're going to do whenever things like this happen. Yeah. Are you prepared for COVID? Were you prepared? Because to me, this right here happens every year. People just don't pay attention to it. Not the COVID thing, but your retention rate drops off a cliff usually around summertime because everybody's getting ready for summer vacation. Kids are out of school. So they leave martial arts studios to save more money to go on trips. Mm-hmm. Happens as well in December. November, December, people dip off because they're trying to save money for Christmas. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving so, through Christmas that time. Exactly. Yeah. So if people aren't – if martial arts school owners weren't already prepared for something like this, then they were already kind of going to be doomed anyway. And so that's the kind of stuff I try to help them with. Very cool. Very cool. Are you currently where, I mean, again, current environment, you said this happens every year. So is, is the strategy, the strategy any different right now with people that you're talking to with this extended closure? No, the only thing I would suggest, it seems to work really well. It's a free, free advice. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would suggest that seems to be working really well is, um, you know, contracts. Most gyms have some sort of contract or waiver or some agreement that you sign because you have to have that. So that way you have paper trail of somebody actually owing you money. Yeah. If not, they would just be like, yeah, I'm not paying you. Like, yeah, but you owe. Like, no, I don't. Can you prove it? <laughs> like, yeah. no, well, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's because you're, you're a dummy and you didn't make them sign anything. But um, when it comes to like this kind of thing, people are already on contracts, right? So they're trying to get out of them, yeah. justifiably so, let's just be honest, because if they're not getting the service that they paid for, they shouldn't really have to pay. Yeah. But what you can do is you can rely on that loyalty that you've already developed because this is a people business. And if they, you really care about them, then that means they usually care about you. And so what you can do is tell them, hey, man, you know, during this three-month quarantine, which is kind of what I've been guessing, mm-hmm. during roughly about this three-month quarantine, how about you can do it one or two things? You can go half off on your contract now during the quarantine, and you can still have all the online lessons, all the tutorials, all the stuff we're doing uh, via the internet. But then when you get back, it'll go back to full price. Or the opposite. You pay me full price now for these next three months, right? When you get back, it'll be half off for life, yeah. right? And like these are tricks that make people feel loyalty to you. Yeah. They, they're like, oh, dude, this guy's cool. He's going to give me an option. He's going to help me out now or he'll help me out later. And then I decide that's awesome. That's a but most idea. people aren't doing that. Yeah. You know, they're going, oh, you're going to pay full price. Please stay. <laughs> like, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anybody, you know, even come up. That hasn't even been an idea that I've seen anywhere. What you just what you just said there, that's not that's something insane. that I've seen anybody say. That I mean, that's a great idea. I know. Again, in in you know in my in the marketing world, it, it's kind of the same way. It's like, do you wait for them to call you? You know, do you wait for a client to call you and tell you they can't pay, or do you reach out now? So you know, exactly, we have that conversation almost every single day. That's another thing, yeah. by the way. You know, let's say hypothetically, another little piece of advice, just because it's something that most people don't hear either. Let's say for these three months, somebody just simply doesn't pay you, right? They they lost their job, most likely. I mean, I mean, unemployment is like at ridiculous rate right now because yeah. people just can't work. It's not that they don't want to or the jobs aren't there. It's just not legally allowed to. And so what's happening is people probably will be cutting off credit cards on purpose and avoiding the conversation because most people don't like conflict. So what you do is you hit them up at three months when your gym opens back up and say, hey, man, I just want you to know that I understand that times have been really hard. How about this? You're three months back paid and you owe. Instead of you paying this four, five, six hundred dollar bill that you owe me right now, right? How about we wipe the slate clean? You come back and sign a new contract and all you'll owe me is for that month that you're about to start training. We'll start mm-hmm. all the way over as if it's a new thing. Yeah. And again, what would you rather have? Would you rather fight them, look like an asshole, go all the way to collections? And then be known as that guy. Or would you rather be a decent human being and understand things happen and give them the opportunity and say, hey, man, 
Let's wipe that slate clean because you weren't going to see that money anyway. Let's just be yeah. honest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you might as well just go ahead and just wipe the slate clean and get them back in there because you actually care about them. Yeah. The alternative is just losing the student altogether. Exactly. You know, fight and over three months. Reputation. You know, yeah. that's a big thing in this yeah. business. Yeah. Again, I've been talking to people a lot about asking for reviews, um, friends, family members. It's OK for them to leave you a testimonial. Students, anybody you do business with, ask everyone and specifically ask, hey, do you mind leaving me a five star reviews? I push most people to Google because. You know, that's where it's going to, you know, your local searches are going to start there. But, uh, you know, any platform, whether it's Yelp, uh, Facebook recommendations or, you know, or, or a Google review. It's so, a great sign up tool, too, by the way. If you have somebody coming in for a trial, whether it be free or paid, mm -hmm. you say, hey, man, I'll give you a discount on signing up with this. If you just leave us a review now. Yeah. Very you good. know, they yeah. show you the review and bam, you got you got a little discount. But mm -hmm. also, again, that's that's a. a it's a twofold thing. You mm -hmm. get them in the door, they signed up with you, and they tell people the truth about your business that they really did love it. I mean, boom, you never have to worry about it again. You don't have to like make classroom announcements. Hey, yeah. guys, give us reviews. <laughs> like everybody who walked through your door gave you a review. Yeah. Why would they not want to save money? Yeah, one know? little tip again, I gave out, I did a few different videos, and one of the tips I gave out too was, you know, Google My Business has now become somewhat of a social media platform. You can actually post social media style posts, you can do offers and events. So, utilizing all three, they don't. It doesn't actually even have to be a, an actual event from this day to this day, like the month of February, the month of March, the month of April. So I've been telling people really, you know, get in there, take advantage of those tools. Most people, how do I even get in there? And, you know, talking to them about <laughs> how to claim the page and, and how to make sure that they, uh, uh, that, that they actually get in and do some, make changes. Google loves when you update information, gives them a reason yeah. to come back and do their job of scanning and indexing your information. So, so let's, uh, let's jump to something else. Let's, uh, we started talking about this a little bit before we went on air here, but let's talk about all the different things that you're doing now because McDojo's, it seems like it's essentially become a brand. There's a documentary. It's the podcast. It's the show. It's the breakdowns that you do. Uh, go. I mean, what am I missing? No, you, you nailed a whole bunch just right there. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, the goal really with McDojo Life is the mission statement. And we did rebrand hard. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we changed everything. I mean, we changed our logo to what the logo is now, which mm -hmm. actually there's a lot of meaning in that logo. Um, okay. But that started off as I wouldn't wear the logo that I have. Basically, is how it started. Yeah. I was like, I wouldn't wear that shit. The logo yeah. that I had, I was like, I would never wear that. And it's like, it's my brand and I wouldn't wear it. There's oh, a wow. problem. Yeah. Right. Because it didn't mean anything to me. And so I put a lot of time and effort and money, Jesus, into making something that really mattered okay. um, to me and meant something. And then after that, I was like, well, this is a logo, but what does it stand for? Like what was happening before was almost like a, I was basically taking ice out of the ice trays and not refilling them up with water. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So like I'm tearing down all of these people and I'm like ripping all these people apart for basically being con men and frauds. But what was I replacing it with? You know, I wasn't replacing it with anything. I was just like, I had a self-realization moment. I was like, I want to do this for a living, but what do I want to stand for? Mm -hmm. I was like, do I want to be that guy who's just an asshole? Because that's literally what I was getting paid to do. It's like, I am a professional asshole. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't want that to be my legacy. That's what I, my wife I, thinks I do, by the way. She <laughs> says I'm a professional asshole, but go ahead. <laughs> like, I just, I want to make this better. And I, I came up with uh, keeping the martial arts legit as our, as our motto and our mission statement. And that is the goal, keeping martial arts legitimate. And it doesn't even matter what martial art is. It is. I like most every martial art. You know, I just don't like the con men who take advantage of people. And so we started going down that path. Well, what are the ways to help? Well, information is basically what our platform is. Mm -hmm. And so doing, showing the people the frauds was one thing, but they would always ask the same questions. The who, what, why, when, and how. Who are these people? Why are they doing what they're doing? How are they getting away with this? All that stuff. So we started doing breakdowns on YouTube. Yeah. And then somebody was like, yo, I like that logo. Can I get a shirt? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then so we started doing apparel. Yeah. And then like people were like, dude, I really like those things where you had people come on your Instagram live because I'd have people on Instagram live all the time who followed the page. And so it was like Kenny Florian would hop on and like John Hackleman would hop on and like mm -hmm. Rory McDonald would hop on. They were like, dude, you need to interview these people. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I just started doing that. And like, so I only, the only time I ever expand the brand is when people ask me to. Yeah. I like, call that the business steering. Sometimes the business tells you where it needs to go and, yeah, and, and not it, everybody's it, lucky it, enough to have that, but it, sometimes it happens. And, you know? and it makes your life easier. Like mm -hmm. you just listen to your audience. What yeah. are they telling you? Mm -hmm. You know, like. If 95% of the people like what you do, 
fuck the other 5%. Who cares what they have to say? Like they're still following you and all they're hitting you with is negativity, but listen to the audience. Like if they really want something, just do it. And so that's kind of how we've been growing. And then, you know, since day one, since day one, I've had people say, you need to go to those gyms and fight them. And I never think that's the right way. I don't think that's a a legitimate way to solve this problem. I don't. Like, are you telling me because Anderson Silva got knocked out that he wasn't one of the greatest of all time? Well, well, he got beat up because your theory is, is if you beat them up, then that shows that they're frauds. No, 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 no. Giving information is what shows them that they're frauds. And you let people make their own educated, informed decision. It's not my job to tell people what to do and what to train. I just want to tell them if a guy's lying or if he's being fraudulent or if he's being malicious. So, and so let, let's that's go, how the documentary got going. Let's go, before we get into the documentary, let's go back to that very first time you posted something. Like what, what was, you know, what was the thinking? What was the, was there a plan or did you just get on like the average person might start an IG, start a Facebook and they start, you know, uh, posting funny stuff. Again, did the business year or was it a conscious effort? I am going to do this. I'm going to expose these people. Or was it just something that you were doing and then it took off? Well, I mean, it was definitely a conscious effort because Mm -hmm. it was based off a conversation I had with a gentleman. So me and a guy, uh, I I substituted for a jujitsu class one day because the instructor (laughs) was sick. I taught real basic stuff, but we had a new guy who was only a few days into martial arts training period. And it was a noon class. Everybody left to go back to work. But this guy stayed. And after class, we had all had a conversation about McDojo's. And that guy waited until everybody left. I guess he was a little embarrassed or whatever. And he like he kind of like tugged on my coattail. He was like, hey, man, I don't know what a McDojo means. And he stood there like he, he didn't. And I guess he was just shy. He didn't want to mm-hmm. like be that guy who didn't know what we were talking about. So I gave him what have now turned into my five rules of the McDojo. I gave him what my version was. And he was like, dude, that's ridiculous. That happens. I was like, yeah, that kind of stuff happens all the time. And his question to me was, why doesn't anybody do anything about it? And I was like, well, there's no regulating body to the martial arts. Like it's one of the only jobs that's not regulated at all. And so he was like, huh, well, maybe somebody should say something about it. And then he left. And then like that stuck in my head all night. Like I couldn't even sleep. I'm like, maybe somebody should do something about it. (laughs) Like, like Like who is doing anything about it? And then like at the time, the only thing that really existed was Bullshito. And Bullshito was just a forum. So it really was just people complaining. That's all it really was. Like, oh, look at this guy. Let's make fun of this guy. And I was like, well, that's not really productive. I was like, well, let's let's maybe do a little bit more investigative journalism. Let's show some facts. And so I used to do these. My very first post was a really long, like six paragraph diatribe of all the details outlining why a certain martial arts gym was fraudulent. And then like no one read the shit because no one likes to read online. It's just honest, right? Yeah, yeah. People will read the headline. If the headline doesn't say something eye catching, like none with nunchucks, <laughs> like no one's going to read it. And so like, I was like, all right, well I did that for a couple months. And then one day, and I did it every day. And then one day I went to go walk away from the computer. And I was like, dude, I don't have the time today to actually write down a really like, cause it would take hours. Yeah. I mean, going through websites, dissecting video, all that. And I was like, you know what? I'll just post this. And I just shared, like, it was a funny video of like a kid fighting like a stuffed dragon, something like that. <laughs> and he like rips the dragon's stuffed heart out. And stuff. It was hilarious. But I posted that and I came, yeah, I came back that next that night after going to jujitsu and all that and when i came back i had more followers that day and i had more interaction that day than i had before and i was like well fuck maybe there's something here maybe if i make it funny and satirical but also that might be my way in to give information and so that's kind of like when it kind of became a little bit more like it is platformed now a little bit more like the and then i started realizing over time the less i say the more people interact. Okay. So like if I explain everything, no one interacts because they, all the information's there. But if I say like just a one word or two sentences, then people are like automatically hopping on. And that's the point is getting that open dialogue to where people are thinking and researching and finding things out for themselves, which is the whole point. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it's been fun. It's been a fun process. What's your personal policy or rule on interacting with the assholes that just want to get into it with you? Do you, do you always entertain them or do you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes like what people imagine sometimes I think is like when I say something, like when I say something without ill intent, people are all over. Oh my God, that's a dickhead thing to say. Why would you say that? Right. 
when I say something like I'm being an actual asshole about, like on purpose, I get applaud. I was like, dude, like y'all, I was so nice to this guy yesterday and I had like a hundred comments ripping me apart. Right. Yeah. But this, today I am actually being addicted to this guy and y'all are all happy with it. Like the internet's a fickle thing. So yeah. I realized, fuck the comment section. I care <laughs> less. I like half the time I'm posting, I'm floating in my pool, laughing my ass off, yeah. enjoying my day. <laughs> so, you know, it's I, funny, I, I just turned off my comments last night. I just went through all of my pages and turned off almost all my comments, unless it was like, I think I left on, like, if anybody comments on something I posted, uh, or uh, I, I just le I left one of the notifications on on each of the pages that I have. And I just, I, I told my wife, I'm, it's not that anybody's ripping us apart, it's just too much. It, it can consume your day between IG, Twitter, and Facebook. It can consume not only your day, but your, your brain power. You know, it's and too it's much. It's not healthy either. Yeah. You know, too much negativity. Like I, I have to say, I'm very grateful. Like this last two years, I've met a lot of really positive people that I probably would have never met if it wasn't for the page. Mm -hmm. And one of those people I really am truly grateful for who helps me see things from another perspective is Robin Black. Mm -hmm. And like whenever I feel like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I fucked up. Maybe I said something I shouldn't have said or whatever. I go back and I think about conversations me and him have had. And that dude is like water off a duck's back. Anything that somebody says to him, he's just the nicest person back. And I realized that he might be actually pissed or upset. But when he like writes and responds back politely, they they can't get mad at him. They actually apologize. It's crazy. Yeah, I call that. Uh, I worked for a guy way back when I was a teenager in a pizzeria and he used to say, kill him with kindness. Doesn't yeah. matter what anybody said to him. Kill him with kindness. They could, what are they going to do? You give him that you don't put up the fight, you know, and at least uh, they're viewing it as like, Come on, asshole. Let's let's engage. I want to engage, and you give them nothing, you know. Yeah. So, so let's get into let's get into a little bit about. Um, let's talk about the begin before we get to the doc. I want I want to leave the doc for last, but if you don't mind, but the podcast. Tell me tell me what just happened with the podcast because I just noticed that you've gotten together with the crew from Locker Room Talk, I believe, and yes, you know. The, well, I'll let I'll let you explain. Well, so like a uh, locker room talk has had a few different hosts, but it's had two of the same hosts the entire time, which okay. is uh, Chris and Wallow. And uh, Chris and Wallow have been like steady on that show for a really long time, and they've had people coming in and out of the show, but it's basically like their outlet to okay. like just shoot the shit. Okay. Like they go on there, they talk about martial arts, they talk about UFC, they talk about what's going on in the world. And I've been on the show a few times, and I've really enjoyed the way that Wallow conducts himself. And um, I think that he doesn't hold back on what he wants to say. I think that he's a straight shooter. And if he tells you something, then that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just I knew that I couldn't keep up with my show by doing all these interviews because it took up so much time of my day. And I want to expand McDojo life. So I hit him up. You know, it was only like a, a month or two ago. And I was like, How, what would you think about taking this over? and being the guys who run it. And he, he got back with me within the week and they were down super excited to do it. And I have not been any happier than I could be with anything else because he was the first person wallow anyway, from locker room talk was the first person that I let represent the brand other than me. And mm -hmm. it's been like nine years, you yeah, know? Yeah. Wow. So do, are you a frequent guest? Are you a frequent co-host? What is, are you just letting them take the reins and, and back I them away? To, I want them to be that thing, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, the, the truth is, is like the best you could ever hope for in your life is maybe 55% of people to actually like get along with you. Mm -hmm. The average person anyway, right? You're, something about you is not going to rub everybody right. Mm-hmm. Something about you, you're just not going to get along with everybody. Maybe it's the way you look. Maybe it's the way you talk. Maybe it's your mannerisms. You're just not going to appeal to every audience. And so what I've been able to do so far and get to almost a half a million followers with just what I've done, I sit back and I imagine, well, how many people who don't like me would follow if it wasn't me doing it? Okay. You know, they like the, they like the cause, but they don't like me. Mm -hmm. And so- you kind of have to give up some reins and say, okay, well, this isn't about me. I just happen to be the guy that runs this. This is about something bigger than me. So in order to spread the message, in order to make something bigger and better, I have to bring on more people with different personality types. And so rather than just sticking my face on absolutely everything, I think it's better to release the reins a little bit and let those guys take over that portion and be that, that, that 
crew. Now okay. I'll hop in. Like we have a uh, BMAC from a uh, 10th planet who's coming on this next Friday. Mm-hmm. And I told him I wanted him on my show. Like, um, shit months and months and months ago before those guys took over. Yeah. And, uh, I went ahead and said, I want to hop on that show. But other than that, I want them to have fun and enjoy it. I want it to be theirs. So is that, uh, so let's talk about the documentary now is you partnered with, um, and forgive me for not knowing his name. I'll let you introduce him, but, uh, the guy from Mexican martial arts, uh, right. MMA, Mexican martial arts. Did you uh, kind of partner with him at least on, on some of the documentary? Yes, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for mentioning them. Yeah. Like they just got a hundred thousand, uh, viewers or followers on YouTube as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. I was there when they got the button, you know, like the nice YouTube plaque. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah man. Like, that was cool. Cause I got to be there for that. And like, I remember years and years ago meeting those guys and it was a fluke. They reached out. I, I liked their stuff and followed their stuff. And they saw that I had like way more followers than them at the time. And so we started a dialogue and Vincent, the guy who uh, plays Jesse, uh, the character Jesse, um, he, he was like, hey, man, can I talk to you? We just want some advice on how to grow our audience. And so we talked for like three hours on the phone. And yeah. then, of course, like they've done really well. I can't take any of credit. They did all the work. All I did was give some advice. So I don't know how much I helped or not. Mm-hmm. But like we've always been cool since then. And uh, over the years, man, like people keep asking me, man, you got to go to these gyms. You got to call them out in person. And I'm like, well, I'll do that, but it's got to be constructive. You know, I can't just go beat people up. That's illegal. Yeah. And I don't yeah, think yeah. that it helps anything. Yeah. So I offered Master Ken to be the director at first. Okay. And because uh, me and him are close too. He's, he's a great dude. Um, and he went to school for film and all that good stuff. And he's been an actor and all kinds of other things other than the master. I see him pop up in every, uh, as uh, he's always a military guy and he pops up in movies all the time. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> random. Like, Oh shit. Isn't that master Ken? Like yeah. without the mustache. Uh, Ameridote. <laughs> uh, do you know his official channel? What's the, uh, what's the name of the channel? Is it? Uh, uh, it's gotta be Ameridote. Ameridote. Like, or, uh, yeah. But our uh, master Ken, you can find it. Like, yeah. You just type that into. Yeah. But yeah. So after he was like, yeah, he just had other things going on in his life at the time. And he was like, I just have to pass. He yeah. goes, but I will help where I can. If you notice, like he did do a shout out for us. When okay. We were fundraising and all that. I um, saw you on his, I, on his show I, a few times. I, I saw you do a yeah, couple of different I, episodes. I, I like three times. Yeah. Very cool. Great dude, man. Yeah. Um, and then I, I asked the guys from Vato studios. I was like, our Vato studios. I was like, Hey man, do you guys want to do this? And they're a full production team. I mean, yeah. that's what they do for a living. And, uh, it, they, they like immediately said, yes, it wasn't even like they, I was on the phone. It wasn't like, Hey, we got to think about it. It was like, hell yes, we want to do this. So wait, so, so Votos is, is also the guys behind Mexican martial arts. Is that? Yes. That's been, uh, so okay. Voto studios is the production company that runs and does Mexican martial arts. And gotcha. they've actually done a lot over the years other than that. Okay. But Mexican martial arts is a thing that just kind of blew up. Okay. I just watched a really long, uh, it's funny cause I, you know, usually, uh, watch a couple of minutes of a video. He did like a review of, uh, I was looking for a reflex bag and, uh, he did, a re- I just found one of his reviews of a, of a bag that, that was sent to him. I forget exactly what it's called, but it has different pads and it has the, you know, that kind of the stick that you duck under, right? You punch a stick and you, and you duck. It was hilarious. So funny that my wife watched the entire, it was like a 12 minute video, which for YouTube is like a long time to be engaged in a video. And, yeah. uh, and she was hysterical laughing cause she's into, into like kickboxing. And so she just found it hilarious. And we both with the quarantine, we've both been using the reflex bags in the house. So, uh, so yeah, he, I, he's hilarious. If you guys haven't seen him go just search for Mexican martial arts, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. So, I couldn't ask for a yeah. better crew, man. Like yeah. we actually filmed, like, I think I, I flew from, Florida to LA when I got there after like a long layover I'd been flying for like almost the entire day then when I got there we um we went immediately to work we filmed for hours and then after that they were like all right well let's now let's talk about doing the documentary stuff and then we sat down had a meeting for another several hours and I think we worked from I don't remember what it was I think it was like one o'clock in the afternoon till three o'clock in the morning and because of their work ethic, I was like, dude, I, man, this is, this is the right choice. These are the right guys because they'll be willing to go through this with me. Okay. And the, uh, the, is it the, on Indiegogo, right? Indiegogo people, well, can people was. still, it can, no. You, no, is it closed? 
Yeah, the Indiegogo pages closed, which had all kinds of perks. I mean, okay. we were allowing people to be in the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could have bought your way in. Yeah. You could have, like, bought your way to just be on set. You could have, yeah. like, there was all kinds of perks. And we raised $20,000 through that, which okay. I'm very grateful for. I'm in there. I, I'm, I'm in there. I'm a supporter. <laughs> and I appreciate that. You know, and then the, um, but there is a way to still donate if you'd like to just get access. You can't get any of the other perks. Okay. But you can just donate. Uh, go to McDojo Life D-O-C. Um, that's McDojo Life Doc on Instagram. And then you just send them, you know, it'll, all the information will be in the, uh, the bio. Yeah. Just yeah. So there's a, like a PayPal link. I think, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, re- follow the directions. You'd be amazed yeah. how many people I turn away every day from that page. Cause they just simply didn't follow the direction. Yeah. I saw your post, your video post on uh, McDojo life. I went over and requested access on the doc page. You have to send, just send a snapshot of your receipt for your donation. Right. It's basically that's, it. is, that's what it is. So yeah. actually I just, this morning I, I just got access this morning and I actually saw, and, and this was, it was already a question uh, that I knew I was going to ask you. And you guys are filming a conversation with, uh, I guess it's somebody that worked with somebody that's been exposed many, many moons ago. That's I guess in a in a psycho ward, in an insane asylum. I don't I don't know what you would call it. A mental <laughs> okay. health facility. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, a little yeah, more politically so, correct. <laughs> so I won't say who it is just okay. because I I want to kind of keep that a little bit of a surprise. But mm-hmm. I will tell you details, and people who already know know, mm-hmm. um, and people who don't just won't. You'll have mm-hmm. to find out for the documentary, or you'll have to sign up on that page. To get the real name. Gotcha. But um, this gentleman is a very high profile, famous con man. Um, and he has been exposed on the Amazing Randy show. He had thousands of followers at one time, uh, convinced that he was some martial arts master and mystic. Um, but he um, he molested five kids. Wow. And he got busted for it. While he was on the run, which because he ran while he was on parole. He actually booked himself on Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> oh he did the show while running from the police. And of course, as soon as the show was done, police were waiting for him. Because how dumb could you be? Then he winds up getting busted. Of course, he molested these children. He was a con man. Like he got busted for all kinds of other stuff. He got uh, some kind of a plea deal in which he didn't have to go to jail, but he had to go to a mental health facility basically for the rest of his life. Wow. Um, and so now he's there. Um, and it's only an hour away from our production studio. Oh, there you go. So we got real lucky. California, for some reason, was like a hotbed for like this documentary. We got yeah. so lucky. We were like, all right, we got $20,000 budget. What are we going to do with it? Okay. <laughs> you know, where are like, you? Where are you coming from when you say you're uh, flown out to California? Yo, you're in Florida. Oh, that's yeah. right. We have, we did talk about that. So let's, the majority of the, of the videos that you talk about and the majority of the, the things that are going to be talked about in the documentary. I mean, it does it usually start with users sending you stuff. Do you get so much stuff that you still encourage it? Or it's just like, I get enough. I don't have to ask anybody to send me anything. No, I actually don't have to ask, but people do send it and I do appreciate it. Yeah. Like I, you have to imagine like in my day, I probably get the same video. Like, I don't know. I get roughly about 250 inbox messages a day on Instagram alone. And so you have to imagine how many times I see the same video over and over and over again. Um, So I usually have kind of the same response, but I do try to make sure I respond to everybody. I got you. You Thank you. I appreciate the support. Thank you for sending me that video. Usually my response is if I kind of don't agree with somebody rather than starting an argument, I just say that's interesting. Okay. Um, And so I've kind of figured out what to say to most people to avoid like these long diatribe conversations about semantics. Yeah. Um, Because I mean, I really do have a lot of messages I have to answer and I, but I do want to give respect to the people who thought I was important enough to write because I don't think I'm that important. Um, (laughs) So I want to take the time to answer. And then, uh, but yeah, man, like I get stuff from all over. But after a while, you kind of like it's almost like learning the art, if that makes sense. It's like if you sat down and you watched a jujitsu class every day for like five years, you would probably be able to show somebody how to do a rear naked choke. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd know, oh, that's a mount. That's a guard, stuff like that. You would know at least the terminology. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now with a lot of these like fake martial arts is like I'm kind of learning the art. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm learning the lingo. I'm learning like what the cover up is. And uh, it's it's fascinating. Like, I, I've been enjoying it. Honestly, it's been like learning a new martial art. You said you spend a lot of time. You spend a lot of your time breaking down these videos so that when you do put them out, that you're putting out accurate information, that you're giving a proper breakdown. Right. 
I, I try to give it as fair a shake as I can. Yeah. Uh, I get as much information as I can before. Yeah. So like I posted this video of this guy who was showing people who were being held at gunpoint to kick a stick at the gun and then run at the person <laughs> from like 10 feet away and headbutt them in the chest and then I run away. I saw that one yesterday. And so like I, I looked and when because the person who sent it to me was actually the boss of that guy. And uh, he's our, at one time. He's not his boss anymore. But it was like one of those things where he was like, look at this. This isn't good for people. He, he really has the best of intentions. And so I like researched the guy and I like sent the guy a message directly. I was like, Hey man, I'm curious. Is this a character that you're doing? Is this like a skit? Are y'all just doing this for fun? Or are you really teaching people this stuff? And then, uh, he got real offended and cussed me out. And I was like, Oh, he's being serious. All right. Well, fuck it. And then rather than like us having like a dialogue and a conversation, he like got pissed off, blocked me. And I was like, well, that was the worst shit you could have done. Because you could actually convince me not to post this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm actually not that hard to convince either. I got hundreds of videos waiting to be posted. You know, so this is just another drop in the bucket. I'd rather have a conversation that leads to something productive. But nine times out of ten, they're such con men that they know a conversation will just get them busted. So they just don't have the conversation. The no touch stuff is just is what I guess gets me the most annoyed like how are people still falling for this stuff and just what goes into convincing a group of 20 or 30 people to play along with the con, like what goes into well, that psychology? I mean, it's just crazy there. I know that it sounds strange, right? But bear with me. They actually believe it. They're mm -hmm. not playing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like we want to think from our perspective it's kind of, and really it, what it is is on our part, it's kind of non-empathetic. Mm -hmm. Like because they're teaching bullshit, we don't really want to see their side. Mm -hmm. We want it to be fake. We okay. don't want it to look, we don't want it to be real to them. We want, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the truth is, is they've been conned into really believing it. So okay. it's almost like a placebo effect to where they're like, they're, they explain things in such detail that it like, Oh, your brain's like, Oh, well that kind of makes sense to them. Right. Because that's what they've been fed. And then they react that way because they really believe it. You know, they do. It's sad. Wow. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you get you get plenty of comments. Ever get death threats? I'm yeah. going to take my revenge. I've got to assume that that comes along with the territory. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, um, I, 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 did, I wasn't aware, I guess, that that was going to happen when I first started. I guess I probably should have paid attention to that, <laughs> you yeah. know, but I just like, I never thought about that when I first started until the first couple started to trickle in. And then I was like, huh, maybe this will happen more as it gets bigger. And it damn sure does, yeah. you know, like there was kind of like a, it's kind of interesting because there was a point in which it kind of slowed down and then it picked back up again. It was yeah. almost like the number of followers had like a, a certain stigma to it to where it was like, well, there's, this is a lot more powerful than it was before. And then after it gets so big, then it's like a number that people, I guess, who were con men don't really perceive that way. They're like, oh, he'll never even read this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yes, I read that. I read that you wanted to shoot me. <laughs> Has I was it, like, anyone ever – have you ever been in any situations where you've actually encountered someone that you've, that you've exposed or that was the star of one of your videos? Well, I had this thing happen to me in London, which was really weird. So I got hired last year um, around my birthday time actually. And they hired me to go out there and teach a nunchuck seminar because that's like a thing that I do well. <laughs> All right. I've seen the videos. Yeah. And, and so they were like this Taekwondo school was like, hey, man, we really like you to come out and teach a seminar. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to go all the way out to London, I'm not just going to go for like a day. Yeah. You know, so I booked myself to be out there for two weeks. Well, the, the weekend had come and we're all hanging out, having a good time. And then they were like, hey, tomorrow we have a Taekwondo tournament we'd like you to go to. I was like, of course, I, I'll go. I'll support your team. Like, and I haven't been to like a Taekwondo tournament ever. I've only been to like karate tournaments and kickboxing and pretty much every other thing. But I'd never been to a Taekwondo tournament. So I was like, of course I'll go. So I'm going and I'm observing and I randomly get a message on my phone from some profile that had no picture. It had no followers. It had no posts. <laughs> it had nothing. It was just a blank slate. And the only thing on the message was what I was wearing. And I was like, huh. Well, that's weird. And this has happened to me a few times where people will film me. And then post me up on their Instagram, tag me in their stories, and I'm like, why don't you just come say hello? You know, like that's yeah. 
I'm sorry, but that's creepy as fuck. Just come say hello to me. Don't like film me and post me and then <laughs> ghost and disappear into the atmosphere, you know? But I, so I thought that that's what this was. I was like, oh man, like whoever you are, you're more than welcome to just come over and say hello. And then they started to describe a school that I had gotten shut down in London or in the UK. This school was a guy who was a convicted pedophile in the United States. He fled, went overseas, changed his name, and then he started a martial arts studio over there, and it was doing okay. Um, I did some research on the guy because somebody brought it up to my attention, and then I exposed the guy. Needless to say, his studio gets closed down because when a lot of people find out that there's a convicted pedophile, they don't give you great reviews on your nope. Facebook. And so the reviews alone were basically enough to like get the guy to shut down his studio. Mm -hmm. Well, the guy who was writing me was apparently one of his students who was mad at me for getting that school shut down. And uh, he told me in detail like where I had been parked. He was like, wow. um, when as soon as I walk out the door, he said he was going to shoot me in the face, which is weird because we're in London and not a lot of people have guns. Yeah. But when do you take a threat seriously and when don't you? You know, yeah. And so I talked to the police there and they were like, well, let's be honest, there's not a lot we could really do. Um, but what we can do is we can kind of walk you out to your car. Just wait and we'll, we're going to help break down. We'll walk you out and we'll get you on your way. And so that's what happened. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. People are fucking weird, dude. But then when you think about it, it's kind of I'm kind of like breaking down their religious structure because to them, they've made their instructor like their preacher. They've mm -hmm. made the, the martial art their religion. Yeah. And so it's kind of like going after people's religion in a way. And when you expose somebody or the truth to a religious group, well, now they're fanatical. And that's not safe. <laughs> so quick question. I, I've, uh, I noticed that you had to relaunch the Facebook page. I don't, I'm not sure how much you've talked about it. Did, did you get the, did the page get clipped? Did Facebook it take did. it down? It did. I'm still fighting to get it back. Like, can, contacting Facebook is the hardest thing in the world to do. Oh yeah. And so when I made that Facebook page, like that was the first thing I ever did was make a Facebook page. Cause at that time, Instagram didn't even exist. Okay. And so when I made that page, I mean, I finally got over a hundred thousand followers on there and it got busted for some copyright infringement. Although technically most of the stuff that I post is under the fair use act, but you actually have to talk to somebody to argue that point. Well, there's nobody to talk to. Yeah. And that page that I made, I made it under an email address that no longer exists. It's so old. That was made under a MySpace email. <laughs> and so wow. MySpace back then actually did accept outside. Well, then somewhere along the line, it stopped doing that. Now it's just a shell of a website anyway. Yeah. So when I write them, it's they're answering an email address that is going to lead to nowhere. Okay. And so that's like the most frustrating part is like if I could just talk to a person like a chat line. I think I could get it back. But, um, you know, that, that was a big blow. But at the same time, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Facebook eventually is going to go away anyway. What's the next thing? Let's just keep trucking. I'm not yeah. going to stop doing what I do just because I lose, like get hit in the face. Yeah. You know, if this is a fight, well, fuck. Okay. You knock me down in the first round. I get back up. We're going to keep going. So what's, what's the plan there? Is it, do you handle anything differently as far as the videos that you post? Is it, do you still have that issue? Like, you know, I've gotten a, a notice or two here with like, you know, copyright stuff on, on YouTube and Facebook. And I mean, it's much more rare now, you yeah. know, YouTube is a little bit more strict than they've ever been. But, uh, I've kind of noticed that if I'm, if I don't actually down the person and I only stick to facts, then they don't consider it bullying because um, okay. I'm not bullying people. I'm just trying to give them information. So I try real hard now not to like interject with my own little thoughts, you know, yeah. like man, I'll, I have one video taken down because I was like, dude, this guy is a piece of shit. I really I would beat the fuck out of this man if I saw him because it was a pedophile. And of course, because of that, that statement, they take down the thing. And so I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah. maybe a little less of my opinion, a little more fact. <laughs> So let, let's go back to the to the movie now. What what's the plan? Do you have uh, you know a scheduled launch date, or is it still too early to tell? Well, I mean, yeah. the coronavirus kind of screwed us a little. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of starting, because our production date to start was April twentieth. Okay. And of course, all the gyms right now legally are closed. So we're just waiting on them to open back up. Once we get any word on when gyms are going to open and when things will get back to normal, that'll be the day we start to film. 
Okay. And so, yeah, man, we have such great access and so many great people in the martial arts community who support this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, guys who really should be charging for their time are allowing us access to them for free just because they want to be a part of it. Like I've never felt so grateful to the community than I did when I started reaching out to people about this documentary. Like I, 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 out of everyone I reached out to, not a one person said no. And you've got people, you've got actual, let's call quote unquote subjects who might be considered McDojo uh, owners yes. of McDojo Studios or professors, teachers of, of McDojo Arts, and they've agreed to be on the show as well, or on, on the yeah. documentary. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yep. <laughs> like, it, I think, I, I, you know, to me, again, I say crazy, but like they really believe it. So they think that they're going to prove us wrong. And so like some of the guys who do the no touch knockout stuff, like they're going to hit us with all that pseudoscience, right? But I'm all about experimentation. Okay. As a matter of fact, let's just all be honest. If you could knock people out with your mind, would you train any other martial art? No. I wouldn't. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'd be like, yo, dude, bam, knocked out, done. But that's not real. And so in order to kind of like do the documentary fair, we're not actually going after particular arts. You know, people are like, you should make fun of Akito. Like, I'm not making fun of anything, motherfucker. I'm just telling you what's going on, right? And I think that when it comes to these martial arts, I'm just trying to stick to the five rules more than sticking to making fun of people or making fun of specific arts. I just want to show people, well, is it true? Is it possible? Well, let's do a real experiment. For instance, the no-touch knockout stuff, right? Well, let's take five people who are trained martial artists of different skill levels, sizes, and sexes. And let's take five people of different sizes and sexes who have never trained martial arts. And let's do a test on technique. And let's say you you take whatever technique it is, like you say you can chop someone in the bicep and knock them out. All right, well, I have 10 people of different sizes and sexes, and I'll do a rear naked choke on all 10, and we'll see out of all 10 how many people I can put to sleep or tap, because that means that they feel like they will go to sleep. And then you are more than welcome to chop them in the arm and see how many you can knock out. (laughs) Like, that's a real experiment, because you can prove me wrong there. You know what I'm saying? Like, please do. Like, show me something that I'm missing, you know, and like without the aid of all the the magic tricks and all the other George Dillman type shenanigans, just do it, you know. And so I keep reaching out to certain people. You know, one guy who's in charge of like the WACO, which is the World Associate Kickboxing Organization or something like that. It's a big kickboxing organization. Um, he's a Kyoshi. He's a Kyoshu guy. He believes that he can like slap you in the back and knock you unconscious. And he's the president of WACO in France. Like it's ridiculous. Like he's got a high position in this organization that deals with real fighting. And yet he still thinks that he could poke you in the arm and knock you unconscious. Wow. Well, I'm definitely excited to see the movie. Anything that we can do to help in the way of announcements, uh, you know, uh, come back on with your production partners or send. Would you say his name is Vinny, the guy that plays Jesse? Vincent. Oh, yeah, Vincent, Vincent, Vincent. Love to have him yeah. on if he if he'd uh, want to come on and talk about it as we get a little closer or you guys get back into production a little bit. Yeah, man. Let me yeah. uh, let me throw some. Uh, I got a little speed round that we do towards the end of each episode. Um, and uh, each of uh, our hosts and every guest gets these uh, same four questions. So I'm going to toss these at you. OK. All right, let's go. So if you could go back in time. And let, let's say this as it relates to jujitsu for now. Uh, but if you can go back in time, what would you tell the white belt you the moment before you stepped on the mat for the first time? Um, uh, white belt me. We're talking about like when I first started. Yeah, ever, when you first right? started. You know, uh, I, like I always say, uh, take care of my body. I tore my MCL and ACL. I'm very unflexible. Uh, everything's always hurting. You know, I, I I would go back and tell myself to take care, better care of my body, do yoga, things like that. What would you tell in your experience with jujitsu? What would you go back and tell yourself? I would probably tell my younger self to just have fun, man. Like I think when I was younger, like I was, I wasn't competitive, but I wanted to be a competitor. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so I put a lot of time and I, I really did push off aside a lot of things that could have been healthy for me as a human being mm-hmm. outside of the martial arts. Gotcha. And I just focused 100 percent on the martial arts. And there's more to life than that. You know, there's there are relationships and there are mm-hmm. friends and there are people. And I, I, you know, now that I'm older, I try to make sure that I invest in people like I don't invest in things and I don't invest in stuff. I like to invest in people because that always comes back to you, you know? Yeah. And so, 
But when I was younger, I didn't really see that. And so I took everything in the martial arts just so seriously. And um, I think that really, really fucked up my first five years, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, was I getting better? Yeah. But was I having fun? Not really. Yeah. You know, looking back, that wasn't fun for me. That was like trying to basically carve out a statue with my fingernail. Yeah. You know, like that wasn't healthy. And then as I got older, I realized like, oh, man, like this can be fun. It's OK to enjoy this. And like it's OK not to be number one in a, in a tournament. You know, like I would just tell myself, just have fun with this and you'll enjoy it and you'll do it longer. Yeah. Have you competed in jujitsu? Uh, I have and I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I suck so bad. Like, uh, you know, I did a, a couple tournaments as a white belt. But, you know, by that time I, I compete, I started competing in martial arts like the month after I started. Mm -hmm. So I joined, I did my first tournament, got first place and got the bug. Yeah. And then I was like, I want to compete. <laughs> and then all the way up until I was like 26, I wanted to be a professional fighter. That's what I wanted. And so like I put all my time, effort and energy into that. So by the time I got to jujitsu, I was just kind of over competing because mm -hmm. I had like gotten to compete on an international level. I had gotten to travel the world and see the inside of all kinds of different hotels and nothing else. Um, so by the time I got to compete in jujitsu, I just didn't care. <laughs> you know, and it's it's a nice feeling. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. It's a beautiful feeling finally to step out on the mat and just go, I just felt like doing this today. Did you yeah. train? Nah, I just, <laughs> I just want to do it. Yeah, just yeah, fuck it. Let's see what happens. You know, and that's like and I lost. I'm like, man, cool, let's go get a burger. You know, like um <laughs> I just you know, I just never really cared. And I think you kinda have to care if you really yeah. want to win. Yeah. And uh so it just wasn't for me. So other than achieving the rank of black belt, which you are a black belt in two disciplines, correct? Or I am. I'm a black belt. Okay. I actually want 10 black belts before I die. That's my goal. Okay, there you go. So I was going to say, what's your ultimate goal in, in martial arts as a whole? Oh, well, uh, yeah. martial arts as a whole, that is that is like a, a, a turning point. That 10 mm -hmm. black belts before I die would yeah. be nice. Yeah. And that's like mostly because I want to understand all of these arts. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I can give a better opinion about martial arts if i have actually studied and gotten to the level of black belt in those arts okay um i think that's a fair assessment anyway um, but my ultimate goal like i just want to leave an impact like one of my biggest fears is like one i'm terrified of heights which is a phobia i guess but i don't know why i just am uh, roller coasters freak me out dude um but uh, the other thing is i'm really scared that i'll die without leaving an impact on this world in a positive way um, that's like a legitimate fear. <laughs> like I am I, like that shit keeps me up at night sometimes. But do you and realize you already I, have, I mean, do you know that you already have today as of today you have? It's, I don't know, man. I, I, maybe it's something that I'll never feel like I've truly achieved. I think we all, I think I, we all have that feeling though. You know, and man, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, I just know that that still scares me is that I haven't done enough to make it better than the way I found it. You know, yeah. like, you look – So I guess sometimes it's like that old school martial arts saying a journey of a thousand steps starts with one. Mm -hmm. You know, Like when you take your first step or your second step or fuck even your tenth step, you're not, you don't realize that you will never stop walking. Mm -hmm. you, know? you will continue to walk forever and you will never reach the destination You know, because the point isn't the destination. The point's the journey. And so as I start doing this job, I, it, all it does is open up a vast landscape of more shit that I feel like I can help with. Yeah. And so I don't know if I'll ever feel that way, but my goal is to leave an impact in a positive way before I die. So like in, I in, really, in the search for those 10, uh, those 10 black belts, do you, like you said, you're a purple belt in jujitsu now. Do you, how do you do that? Do you get to black belt and then start a new discipline? Are you training multi multiple disciplines at the same time? Do you go back and train, you know, in the disciplines that you, where you have black belts now? Do you teach? Well, I mean, uh, body mechanics is body mechanics. You know, the one of the joys of being able to do multiple disciplines, uh, whether it be sport karate or whether it be traditional karate or whether it be uh, listen Jodo, which is a very odd weapon system, or whether it be uh, boxing or whether it be jujitsu, you notice that all of these things aren't really that different. Okay. The only really thing that changes from art to art is intent. So like in jujitsu, right, the, the goal is to very clearly and definitively – get to a dominant position and make someone submit. That's their version of how to end the fight. Mm -hmm. So like, if you notice, like if you go back and look at UFC, like one through three with Hoist Gracie, he would do this like jumping, lunging front kick thing at people. Okay. Like a very weird jumping front kick at people. And it was like his version of closing the distance. But like a front kick is taught in almost every art. Mm -hmm. 
So like certain body mechanics and certain things all fit together anyway. And so like as I like learn a new art, like for jujitsu, for instance, like I found that a lot of Wing Chun concepts that I had learned years ago helped me tremendously, like centerline theory. You know, like if somebody's hand passed their nose, I was like, oh, shit, this gives me an opportunity to get to their back. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can, um, you know, now I can like uh, get to a better position or I can trap an arm or I can like, oh, now they've exposed themselves for an arm bar because they put their hand a little too far. All that kind of still applies even with stand up. Okay. If your hands go in a, the wrong place well, you're going to get caught, you know, and if you put your hands in the wrong place, well, guess what? They're going to catch you. And so not a lot really changes from art okay. to art, just kind of intense. So it's been fun finding where the puzzle pieces fit. That's like been the, the fun part for me. Okay. So you might have answered this next question already with the guy that said he was going to shoot you in the face, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's the craziest jujitsu or MMA related thing that's happened to you on or off the mat? Oh man. Um, <laughs> let's see. Craziest thing that's ever happened on or off the mat. Well, I mean, I've had a couple things over the years has been weird. Like we were almost like when I was in karate, we almost uh, we got to like a, a point where the the directors of uh or the producers of America's Got Talent reached out to us okay. and wanted us to be on that show, and we got there, we flew out, we did an audition, and then we didn't get on the show. But like that was a that was a pretty cool moment. It was weird, right? Okay. Getting a random call from them. <laughs> um, you know, I uh I had a kid shit on my leg during a class one time. <laughs> That, that was weird. Yeah, I was like a, I was a fresh instructor. So like I was like kind of the head instructor of a martial arts studio when I was really young, way too young. I was like 16 years old and uh, I taught every class. And in hindsight, I just think it's because the instructor just didn't want to do it anymore. He was just having that moment in his life where he'd done mm-hmm. it for so long. He just wanted somebody else to do it so he could play solitaire, which he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I, I taught this class and we had a new kid coming in. I was a fresh instructor. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and this kid threw a fit. And so my answer then was to say, hey, I need you to go see your mom or dad because I can't deal with like I didn't know how to deal with it. And so he was like he just straight up looked at me and said, no, I was like, all right. Well, I looked at mom and she goes, just bring him here. I go, "Okay." so I go to pick him up and he latches onto my leg, like wraps his leg and his arms around my leg. And I was like, oh, well, fuck it. He's a little kid. So I started walking him over to his mom with this kid on my leg. Right. And all of a sudden I felt something warm on my leg. I was like, oh, man, this kid just pissed on my leg. I looked down. Nope. It was the other end all over my leg. And it was like through the gi. He had a white gi on and I had white gi pants on and it was all over me. I was the grossest thing ever. So that was probably the weirdest, to be honest. That sticks with me for some reason. (laughs) All right. So this is our last one. This is I call this the most important question that you'll ever answer. Oh, I like it. Any podcast ever. Uh, and <laughs> anything related to martial arts, we have a huge debate here amongst uh, the co-hosts, which again, unfortunately, are not here with me today. But this is a biggie. <laughs> do you or do you not? And why do you wash your gi belt, your jujitsu belt? Um, it depends, to be honest. Okay. So I have when I get my belts, I I get more than one. Okay. Um, I travel a lot, so my belt that stays here. Um, locally, I don't wash that one. Okay. My belt that I take elsewhere, I do wash that one. Can I tell you why I do that? I have no idea. Right. Do I think (laughs) you probably should? Yeah, you probably should. Like, let me just like, let's just break down the scenario of like not washing your belt. So you have this belt on that you've been sweating. Other people have been sweating on Mm -hmm. people have been bleeding on, you know, and like, if you really look up what makes up sweat, it's basically urine. Yeah. Um, and so basically you, you have this stinky, gross thing around your waist that if you're training a lot, we'll say, let's say you're training, we'll, we'll even make it less. We'll say you're only training two or three times a week, right? Yeah. That's two or three times a week worth of your and other people's sweat all over that. Would you want to put that in your mouth after making it soaking wet? No, I would not. That will, then you, you, would, you probably should clean that motherfucker, I, right? Like, I am team wash your belt. <laughs> right? so I am like, the only one amongst my, my, my co says they shouldn't wash their belt, okay, here's what you should do. I want you to take that into that belt. I want you to dip it in some water. And I want you to wring it out in your mouth. 
Would I do that with a clean belt? You're damn right I would. Would I do it in a dirty <laughs> belt? No. So the answer is yes. Yeah, you probably wash the dirty thing. All right. So we're going to put Rob on team washer belt. Hashtag team washer belt. <laughs> I, I've been outnumbered for some time, Rob, but uh, but I appreciate that. So listen, Rob, I want to thank you again for being uh, being on the show spending some time with us before I let you go though. Do you want to give any shout outs? You get sponsors, anybody we didn't mention during the show. Here's your chance. Yeah, man. Well, thank you to my sponsors. They've been nothing but amazing to me. Kill cliff, uh, Fuji mats and free sleeve. They have been just the coolest. And to be honest, I like keeping a good relationship with my sponsors. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, they're nice enough to help you. So it's always nice to, to help them. Um, you know, but you can catch any of the stuff that we do on McDojo Life, man. Like McDojo yeah. Life pretty much on any social media platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, just type in McDojo Life and chances are good you'll find one of our posts. So Very cool. Very cool. Well, again, I'm going to let you go. I've got a little housekeeping. I'm going to tell our uh, our listeners and anybody watching on YouTube, stick around because we're going to talk about some of our giveaways. But uh, we'll let you go. Thank you so much. Good luck with uh, the new podcast. Good luck with the doc once you're able to film again. And please, please, you know, let us know how we can help. If you guys want to come back on the show as things start to come together or uh you know you just need us to repost an announcement here or there we're definitely uh we're, our, our audience isn't as big as yours yet but we'd definitely love to to spread the word and, and to help out where we can it's appreciated man thank you right, so rob. much thank you so much rob i'm gonna let you go take care man thank you so have much have a great day dude you too man bye-bye awesome dude man awesome dude very cool so yeah everybody stick around i'm gonna go down our our uh our house cleaning our housekeeping uh, some things have changed. Some things are going to be a little bit different. But uh, as always, if you like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube channel, uh, we're going to enter you into – you're going to be able to win a $25 gift card from the jujitsudummies.shop. Uh, Fightback CBD has given us two bottles to give away on every episode. So uh, we didn't use any listener questions just because we went – kind of in some different directions. And a lot of times I get very kind of similar questions. So we can't give out uh, CBD and, and gift cards to everybody, but we've got a couple of bottles of CBD that we'll give away. Probably one will go to this YouTube listener, uh, the, the winner from YouTube who, uh, who again will like comment and subscribe. Um, usually if we use a question, just so you know, for future episodes, we'll give you a bottle of CBD plus a $25 gift card to the, to the podcast shop. All right. Uh, please support Fightback CBD at fightbackcbd.com. You can use code JJD to get 15% off your order. Uh, check out the podcast store, jujitsudummies.shop. You get 10% off with Dummies Pod 18. It's always, we change the, that number uh, to match the episode. So it's always Dummies Pod and the episode number. Uh, we have new rash guards. Uh, you see them hanging up in the in the studio if, uh, if Bo wants to get a shot of those. We also launched something really cool. Um, we Our printer came to us with this, uh, something called the Neck Gator. Uh, I don't have any samples yet, but if you go on to jujitsudummies.shop, you'll see the Neck Gator. They're face shields. Um, they, can, they go around the neck. You could pull them up over your nose and your mouth. Uh, women are also able to actually use them or anybody with long hair. You could pull it up and it could be uh, you know, something that holds your hair back. But check out the, the store. It's on, uh, on the homepage. We also have backpacks and coffee mugs from the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. So uh, please check that out as well. Uh, anyone out there that would like to work with us, sponsor the show, donate products, uh, you know, any type of giveaways, you know, we've done, again, CBD, T-shirts, things like that, please reach out. Uh, via email or on social media, right? We're at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies everywhere. You'll find us. And uh, if you visit our contact form on jujitsudummies.com, you can send us an email or just send it to info at jujitsudummies.com. Okay. Uh, our contact page, which this is really cool. Actually, all of these different guests, I reached out to Rob a long time ago, but on our next episode, we're going to have uh, David Aguzzi from Grappling Industries, he was somebody that came from the crew at We Defy. So we're always getting suggestions for the next guest, but I want to hear what the listeners or who the listeners want to want to hear from. So go to our contact page, uh, suggest your coach, somebody famous. If you have a contact, you know, put us together with them. Who do you want to see in here on the show? Okay. Podcast patrons for March and April, we're going to be announcing the winners online soon. Uh, please forgive me. We just don't want to ship anything right now. We don't want to be going out to the post office or leaving packages by the door. Um, so our March and April winners will be released as soon as things kind of loosen up with the quarantine. Right. So we apologize for, uh, to those winners, but we did extend that to, if you support us on Patreon, you're entered to, 
uh, entered into two drawings every single month now. All right. So you can win two different $100 plus packages, right? So each of those will be at least $100 in jujitsu swag every single month. Um, if we have sponsor giveaways, if we have keychains, mugs, you know, anything that we get from, from any of our sponsors, we're pretty much giving away to, to the winners. We're also opening that up to anyone. Those two drawings, we're opening it up to anyone who also submits a question that we use on the show. So that's a little added bonus for everybody. So again, patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies. You can pledge as little as $5 a month to support the show. You get some other cool perks. You get some coupon codes that you can use or even give out to other friends and family members. So we really thank everyone who supported us to, till now. Uh, current patrons include Michael Pixley, Michael Pixley Jr., Jason Smiley, Eric Perkins, Britt Tover, James Fisher, CJ Carroll in Mission 22, Chuck Reddor out in Hawaii. Love him. He's our meme guy. Can't always post what you put out there, Chuck. Roberto Santiago. And as always, we're going to be uh, uh, shouting out the Weed 5 Foundation as well. They'll be part of our patron shoutouts going forward. You can check us out at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can check me out at Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. And you can check out the, the uh, Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation at the JJD Foundation on Twitter at the JJ Dummies FDN. Just really want to make it all confusing for you guys. Uh, we still have our GoFundMe open, which we're going to be donating any of the money that we raise in our first uh, our first GoFundMe raise. We're going to give that to the We Defy Foundation. Right, half of it was going to the show, half was going to our scholarship. Uh, so since we are now going to be working them on things related to veterans, we are going to donate any of the monies that we've raised. Uh, or half of the money that are raised directly to We Defy. Uh, so that'll be going out to them soon. And, uh, you know, we're going to start doing our jujitsu scholarship giveaways in the coming months. Obviously, the, the quarantine has kind of screwed things up for everybody. But we are going to specifically focus on doing scholarships or giving out scholarships to children in need. Okay, that's where we're going to focus. All right. So thank you to Bo behind the camera. I appreciate you as always. He's my Jamie, you know, <laughs> pull that up, Jamie. Um, you know, just thank you everybody for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay home. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.